0: So they said, the Great Old Ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world
1: at Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm Nate and with me today are my fellow co-hosts.
0: I'm the man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube
2: channel. I'm Innkeeper Vesodan from the Twisted Tentacle Inn.
3: Hey, and I'm Nathan from Portland, Oregon.
2: And with us today is a very special guest.
1: Very special. That's crazy.
3: We're just never going to say his name. I'm a a
4: guest. I'm certainly not a very special guest. Uh, This is Michael uh, with the Arkham Horrors uh, music.
1: Welcome to the show, Mike. It's nice to have you on.
4: Thanks. First off, let me just say, you guys are uh, heavy hitters here. I can't believe you're having me on. Uh, I've been uh, listening for quite a long time, First-time caller, long-time listener.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so as a long-time listener, then, I'm sure you're aware of our typical routine, and we usually start the episodes off by chatting about what we've been playing recently. So we'll start off with you then, Mike, what you've been up to recently.
4: I'm not a tremendously big tabletop gamer, but... Um, Arkham was actually my first intro into regular playing, and uh, it's gotten me into some other things. Most recently, I'm super excited to say, I started playing Horrified with my wife. Ooh. Uh, and love it.
3: Now, which version? Because there's three. I think one's coming out with the Greek gods.
4: Uh, yeah, I just saw the Greek gods. One was uh, available on Amazon. Uh, I'm playing old school, because I'm a big, I'm a huge original, fan of yeah, yeah the, uh, the original Universal Monsters. Huge fan of those, so. I was excited when I saw the game was... uh, I found it actually on eBay locally and uh, drove drove to someone's place and and picked it up and was like,
1: super score. So I'm sure I'm not the only one. I've never heard of this game. Can someone give me the kind of a quick synopsis of what the general idea of the game is?
4: Horrified is a cooperative game where it's got a lot of similar kind of basic components to it that, like, if you've played Arkham, it makes it so much easier to get this on the table and get moving. Um, You play an investigator, and your duty is to stop uh, Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, uh, Frankenstein, various combinations of old-school, like, black-and-white movie monsters from uh, terrorizing a village. And there are, like, different tasks that you have to perform. Uh, along the way to achieve the, the goals. Uh, super, super fun. And and very timely for this time of year, too.
2: Oh, yeah, perfect for Halloween. Yeah, One of the
3: better uh, Halloween games out there.
2: I do have a soft spot for <laughs> horror movie monsters. It sounds, it sounds like a fun game. So there's multiple expansions,
1: or how does that work?
3: Standalones. There's different standalones.
4: Yeah, the components, as far as I know, they're not interchangeable at all, but I think the basic mechanics of the games are very similar. So there's one that's an American, um, like, Legends kind of version. So there's one that's got, like, the Jersey Devil and things like that in it, Sasquatch. Um, and then they're just coming out now with one with uh, Greek Greek mythology uh, monsters as well.
1: Huh. That sounds like a pretty cool game. Uh, what about you, man? From What you been up to recently? I've been
0: working on a review of the uh, Jim Culver Parallel Investigator that they released last week, or two weeks ago, probably, at that when this is released. So initially I thought it would be pretty straightforward to do, and it's taken me a little bit longer than I uh, expected, but uh, I'm hoping to have that done sooner than later. And uh, in non-Arkham stuff, I received my copy of Voidfall from Kickstarter, which I love, beat it on normal difficulty. Is that a, is
2: that a board game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it's, a,
0: it's a Mind Clash board game that uh, they Kickstarted, I think, two years ago at this point, and they just finished fulfilling it. So, But the, there's a tabletop simulator mod that's been available basically since the Kickstarter that I've been playing. I actually got to play it before I backed it, which sealed the deal.
1: Yeah, I'm always reluctant to uh, back Kickstarter games. Yeah, I
0: don't know if I would...
1: It's the first Kickstarter
0: I've backed, and I mean, you hear all the horror stories and whatnot, but having a chance to play it, I knew that it was something I enjoyed, and I've been playing it ever since.
1: Nice. Well, uh, what
2: about you, Vase? I've been very, very busy. Um, yeah, you know, you've been saying that a lot these past few episodes. I, I have, and that's why my channel is like, I put out a video every four months or so now. <laughs> but we did our Iconoclast review part three, which was fun to finish. Um, lots of great stuff came out of uh, going, over that, going over that book. Um, but recently, you and I played a one-shot for Delta Green or we started playing one, that a buddy of mine is writing based on Silent Hill. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a a bit of a meat grinder. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Meat grinder is definitely the right definition for it. Um, And then I've been clearly working on my thing that I've been working on for the longest. I have two two projects, parallel projects I'm working on. One is a graphic novel with my brother, uh, and it's a kind of horror sci-fi anthology called The Obsidian Chronicles and my rpg adventure book horror at Ishuzu landing which i finally finished writing so now it's in editing stages and it still needs to go to layout so still a lot more work to be done but a bunch of art is done for it and i'm excited to announce i have procured the services of an arkham horror the card game artist to do some of the art for the book and he is amazing his name is Imad awan and uh he uh he did the art for um is it radiant shield i think and a couple of others um so he he has done some really good stuff he's done some art for uh lord of the rings the card game so pretty renowned artist that i'm very happy to work with my book is done in terms of the first draft process which has taken over a year to do and we finished the first play test uh last week and that's been uh, just the players are doing the surveys and providing feedback it's been great great feedback so very very busy
3: (laughs) congratulations buddy
2: what about thanks man what about you nathan what have you been up to
3: oh man i hope you're all sitting down right now uh yesterday i went to a six hour hoa conference uh and we learned about things like EV stations, solar panels, legislative measures, um, how to collect from delinquent people paying their HOA fees, uh, and it was Wild West themed, so we got to like listen to people be serious wearing uh, cowboy hats and chaps and boots. So, I mean, I don't know what constitutes jealousy uh, in your individual worlds, um, so. That was pretty
2: phenomenal. Sounds like you've been doing more horror stuff than we have.
3: <laughs> we did We did have to all check for horror. Um, Arkham-wise, I, I printed off The Invisible Man by The Beard. Um, he's done one-shots of different things, like he did Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, and, of course, he's done the major campaigns, but he did The Invisible Man, and I printed that off, and I'm going to get ready to play that with my group. I believe this Tuesday is what we're shooting for, so I'll let you know how that goes. Um, there is a board game convention down in Eugene, Oregon next weekend called FunCon. I'm going to try and go down there Friday, spend the night, and play all day Friday and Saturday. Um, maybe Voidfall. I've heard a lot of good things. Man from Lang likes it. Uh, a lot of other people have buzz on it, but. Um, I mean there's thousands of games that I would be up for playing so I can't help but think that that'll be a fun experience. So that is what I am doing.
2: What about you Nate? What have you been up to? Uh
1: well, sadly I uh had to go on an unexpected work business trip to Florida for 4 days. So that was fun. That just kind of like up uprooted my life for for the better portion of a week. Uh so past couple of weeks, other than Delta Green, let's see, I've been prepping another Alien game, because I'm still running a group through Destroy of Worlds, Um, so I'm prepping for a session next Sunday for that. Uh, Arkham-wise, I started a campaign of Scarlet Keys, uh, but have yet to finish it. I played through two scenarios so far, and have yet to pick it up. I did an initial run through one scenario, and the way that that scenario ends up working out kind of counteracts my whole strategy, so that was less than fun <laughs> to deal with. But um, but other than that, um, I recently played through Sea of Stars, which is a kind of retro-inspired turn-based RPG game, which was pretty fun on the Switch. And I think that's about it. Yeah.
2: Sounds like we've all been pretty busy.
1: Yeah. You know, work was... Um, I've got a big project at work, so it's been kind of a struggle to get games in. Kind of trying to get the project to where it needs to be in time for, for production. So
2: I can only imagine.
1: <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and move on to our main topic, which is you, Michael. So... Uh, you kind of alluded to it in your introduction, but why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us uh, a bit more of who you are and what you do. Sure.
3: Uh, just, just real quick, uh, Michael, what, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's a
4: it, uh, actually. So I use, uh, when my wife and I got married, we actually decided to both take each other's names. So what you guys know me as, uh, my last name is pronounced hate. I know that's kind of a weird one, uh, but it's hate. It it was fun growing up with the last name hate, I can tell you that. (laughs) The reason why I'm on the show today is because uh, you folks were nice enough to have me on to talk about uh, kind of a passion project that I've been working on for nearly two years now uh, and uh, still have more to do than I've already done, which is insane when I look at how much I've already done. Uh, which is, uh, I am making custom soundtracks for every single scenario of
1: Arkham Horror
4: the Card Game. That,
1: wow. That is certainly no small feat. That must be a, a, certainly a big passion project for you.
2: So these soundtracks, are they for people to play while they're playing the scenario? Or just kind of things to go along to listen to that will remind you of the scenario? Other than wedding soundtracks, what else are they?
4: so let me give you a little bit of a background on kind of how this started um and that'll probably answer the question a bit uh so like probably almost half the players by now i would imagine um i discovered the game during pandemic not the game pandemic but, uh, my wife and I, we don't we don't really play games. We're not we're not uh, tabletop people. We're not video game people. Um, and by the end of 2020, we'd watched everything that had ever been made for television. and uh, we were just, we were out of things to talk about uh, that didn't have to do with the world being on fire. And so uh, for Christmas, uh, I decided, you know, a nice thing for us to do because we were about to turn over into a new year of, you know, more restrictions and more lockdowns and things like that. And I was just like, what are we going to do for another year of this? Uh, so I thought, OK, what would be nicest if we maybe found an activity to do together together? Um, so I started looking into, like, is there, you know, are there games that we can actually play where we're not competing against each other? Because that's the last thing we need when we're, you know, stuck in the house together, is to then be competing at a thing. Uh, so that's when I discovered the world of cooperative gaming. And I was trying to find something that kind of scratched the right itch for both of us. Uh, and that's where I discovered Arkham. And, uh, initially, after we started playing, I was creating, like, just Spotify playlists, like a lot of people do for music that's suitable for the scenarios that we're playing i uh, professionally full-time i actually uh, do a lot of video editing and so i belong to a licensing service where i can actually license music um that you can't find on spotify for example um and i started creating music using or playlists just for us uh with music that's more suitable for the game, and then like linking it with like sound effects and things like that, and then uh, took it up to the next level, which was where I actually decided to finally start writing some of my own music, and uh, I started with Edge of the Earth because we were about to start that campaign, and um, then I worked my way through the Dream Eaters. Uh, after that, the Scarlet Keys. Uh, and then most recently I finally sat down and did Night of the Zealot
3: Going back real quick to your process so let's say, I'm going to pick one at, at random let's say you're going to do the first scenario in Pat the Carcosa uh, Curtain Call I believe and um, what what's your process when you're like okay I want to make uh, music for this scenario, do you play the scenario first, do you read through it do you look up any, any other source material like music for the theater back in the 1900s, early 1900s? I mean, like, what's your process?
4: You, uh, you actually picked a really good example. Uh, the reason why you picked a really good example is because I'm currently working on Curtain Call. So <laughs> that was good timing. Um, one of the first things I did for that particular scenario, playing the scenario is key because there's a lot of these that I've only maybe played through once, maybe twice. Again, because I came to the game late, uh, we had, I don't know, five full complete campaigns, I think, when we started playing. And we only get the, uh, the game on the table, you know, once a week. And sometimes it takes us two or three uh, sessions to get through a scenario, depending on how large it is. It took us quite a while, you know, to get from the beginning of the game to get completely caught up with everything. So there are uh, whole campaigns that I've only played through once. Uh, so yeah, the first thing I do is I, I play the scenario uh, solo, two-handed, and, um, you know, reread the all the, the campaign guide text. Uh, if there is anything contextual, like the king in yellow, for example, um, and Haster and all that, sorry, I said his name out loud. I'll try to, you know, just beef up some of my, you know, knowledge of that kind of stuff. The setting is key, setting is super important. Um, I want to make sure that when I'm creating uh, music for a scenario, that at least some of the tracks are intentionally meant for the, the location that you're in. So with Curtain Call, for example, I wanted to make sure like you, it starts off with you kind of waking up in the theater and things are strange without giving away spoilers. Um, so I try to make sure that like the very first thing has this very slow kind of buildup of kind of consciousness, kind of coming into consciousness and then kind of taking it from there. But then I also try to make sure I'm creating at least two or three tracks that have a bit more, um, tension. Maybe two or three tracks that have, that are more, maybe, fast-paced, uh, so that, uh, when you're coming up against, uh, you know, the big, uh, elite enemy, you know, that there's some sort of sense of drama to it. Some of the tracks are just ambient, uh, where it might be just kind of one note kind of going in and out of different sounds, uh, for five or six minutes. There might be some tracks that are uh, rhythmic, where I'm using a lot of different kind of percussion effects and things like that. Uh, And then there are some tracks that, uh, and these are my most favorite ones to compose, that are more like uh, classical, uh, more like uh, cinematic, orchestral kind of things. You know, it sounds like something that's in a soundtrack to a film or something. Those are super fun to make. Um, and I do like the idea of doing that kind of music because Ar- Arkham, for me, speaks to that kind of old Hollywood, those great monster movies and horror movies and mystery movies and things like that from back in the day. So Like the
3: old uh, classic movies of Horrified. You got it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's oh, absolutely yeah. incredible to, to put that much energy and thought into every single scenario.
4: Yeah. I know uh, it's probably not super uh, sane for me to be doing it, but it's it's been a, a true labor of love. I've I've really enjoyed the process of doing it. I've really enjoyed sharing it with people because they are uh, everyone. I, I haven't had a single person go, "Why are you doing this?" You know, <laughs> except for my wife, maybe. Um... <laughs> Everybody in the community has been. Pretty awesome. Like it would that was an unexpected side effect of deciding to start to learn how to play a game and you know to have an activity to do uh with my better half, you know, was was discovering this whole community of like people that have this common interest, but more than that, they kind of they're decent people, you know?
3: I'm I think I'm unlike a lot of gamers. I think a lot of gamers in the world like to compete and there's a lot of games out there that are focused on cooperation. And I have found when I play cooperative games that you win no matter what. Because if you lose together, you share in that experience. If you win together, you revel in that experience. And the act of bonding, playing a game together where you're not just cutting each other's throats, the cooperation, the, the sense of camaraderie, it lasts, it permeates your life in a way and it lasts past that. Like, I've played great cooperative games at a con or at a friend's house, and for hours or a day afterwards, we're still kind of gelled and buzzing with that experience. So, I think that's really cool. Um, Do you have any major projects other than trying to finish out all the scenarios? I mean, do you want to do any of the fan-made scenarios? Do you want to, you know, do some kind of a big, like you were saying, orchestral mega piece for a certain scenario that you want to showcase? Um, And also, where is the best place people can find your stuff? I know there's the Arkham Horrors on YouTube, but do you have something you want to plug?
4: Uh, I'll answer the second part first, first price. The My music can be found anywhere that you can stream music. So uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube Music, Amazon's uh, Music Service, Deezer, any of those places all around the world. If you search under The Arkham Horrors, you should be able to find it, no problem. There might be a couple of holdouts still that are slow to update. When I first created, this was an April Fool's joke I played on myself, because I created my um, online profile through my music distributor uh, on April 1st, and I mistyped the word Arkham and didn't notice it for about eight weeks, Uh, and it did not have an H in it. And I had no idea, so I was directing people. I was promoting, like on Facebook and things like that. I was promoting my scenarios, and people are like, "We can't find your music." <laughs> so I, I realized later that it was because uh, there was no H in Arkham, and it takes a really long time for these things to change in the background. Um, but I, as far as I know, everything is is updated correctly now. Uh, yeah, so it sh- you should be able to find it anywhere as long as you're you're typing in the Arkham Horrors, plural. Um, I was trying to be careful when I, like, created the name for the music to go under. And when I released the albums, uh, I try to be kind of a little careful about not infringing on Fantasy Flight Games' IP too much. Uh, so, for example, like, The Night of the Zealot consists of four albums, one for each of the scenarios, and then I decided, uh, just on a whim, over the summer, um, I decided to just create an album of the encounter sets that you get with the core. So instead of titling the albums The Night of the Zealot Volume 1, The Night of the Zealot Volume 2, um, I decided to just play around with the words a little bit and just titled it The Zealot's Night, for example or uh, instead of the Dream Eaters, I think I've got a, those listed as like Eaters of Dreams. Uh, so I just, I'm kind of messing around with it a little bit because I don't ever wanna um, give the impression that I'm just being a, a parasite on uh, Fantasy Flight Games <laughs> uh, IP too much. But uh, yeah, it should be pretty easy, relatively easy to find. Uh, and a lot of people, which I'm happy to see, a lot of people have been making their own playlists and just adding you know their favorite tracks uh, of mine to playlists with other people's music, and so you know you might happen upon if you're just looking up, you know, Lovecraft game music, you know, for example, uh, you probably will find mine on somebody's playlist, which is great. And that
3: and that doesn't bother you at all.
4: No, no, not at all. I'm just happy that, yeah, I'm happy that uh people are digging anything that I'm doing, you know. Um, and that's the thing is like I I that's another kind of challenge when doing this stuff is, I want to be able to have a variety of styles. So, if um, if your thing is you just want like ambient, like dark ambient music, uh, there's every album has two or three at least tracks of that. If you want something that's more orchestral, there's usually a few tracks like that. Uh, so, I'm trying to, you know, hit the different genres with every album. So. If you only like the ambient stuff, you can put your own playlist together, cobbling together from different people, you know, from either mine or, you know, a combination of mine and other people's stuff. Uh, yeah, that's great. I'm all for it.
3: Awesome. No, I, I made an ambient album and it put me to sleep. So I've got to be make sure I put a T at the end of that. Um, and then I apologize because I had asked you a multi, multi-pronged question. Uh, any big projects coming up that you are... Endeavoring upon soon
4: the well. That's the other kind of goofy thing about all this is that uh, the original like I used to play music when I was younger. Obviously, I didn't just like buy a keyboard after started playing Arkham and decided I was gonna start composing hour and a half soundtracks uh, a week at a time. Uh, I have a music background, but like it's been shelved for a really really long time because of dusting off my keyboard for this little passion project. It actually has inspired me to actually try to market myself a little bit more as a composer and uh, I've actually been doing some uh, work on the side. Uh, I've been doing uh, composing for like student films. Uh, I did the music and sound design for a podcast earlier this year uh, so this is kind of it's building into other things. So would I like to do a bigger Arkham project? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm just I'm, I'm just waiting for kind of the right time and kind of the right inspiration to kind of figure out like what the next kind of big thing beyond the doing of the scenarios individually goes.
2: You said that you you were really into music when you were younger, you were a musician when you were younger. What just curious what style of music because obviously you weren't playing orchestral music or were you?
4: uh no well no the answer the easy answer is no i'm a child of the 80s i grew up uh in the 80s so like you know the world of stranger things is kind of that was how i grew up minus the demogorgon people are still making tv shows and movies that take place in the 80s because the culture was just so it's got this kind of weird there's this weird kind of nostalgia for like the music and the clothes and all that, and primarily it's the music, it's the whole MTV of it. Uh, And so pop music was a huge kind of thing for me and, you know, I would go and I'd buy an album or a single, a 45 single, uh, of a band that I liked and like the B-side, of the the single so the single would be like this you know poppy song radio song and then the b-side would be this weird thing that they're like you know it was just for the band really more than anything else and it was something that would never be played on the radio and i always gravitated towards that music which was slightly more experimental and stuff like that so that was kind of the stuff i grew up when i was learning how to play keyboards Uh, that's the stuff i was learning how to do and and trying to mess around with uh but there was kind of nothing in it so i would start gradually trying to hone it into creating actual songs and things like that uh so i did actually play like singer songwriter stuff for a while uh in my uh early adulthood uh and it was pretty awful it was pretty terrible love songs and things like that really uh overly dramatic the world is over because she broke up with me kind of stuff.
2: I don't know why I was thinking Shanita Connor with nothing <laughs> compares
4: when you Yeah, no, that. you're not far off. I'm I'm <laughs> sorry to say you're not far off. Thankfully there isn't really a digital footprint of of that stuff.
2: You've lost some of the stuff you wrote back then then?
4: Uh no, I've got I've got it all. I just it there's thankfully no way for people to discover it.
3: <laughs> just a tie back real quick, to Arkham itself. I'm curious. uh, From time to time, I like to ask this question in my Facebook group, the Arkham Horror Society of Lighthouse Keepers. I want to ask, since you're here, and I want to hear from everybody now that we've had so much content, what is everybody's favorite cycle and why? And I don't think we're going to have a lot of crossover. Man from Lang, what would you say yours is?
0: Hmm... It's probably Path to Carcosa.
3: Okay. What's your rationale behind
0: Uh, I just enjoy playing most of the scenarios in it.
3: I mean, that that's a pretty solid answer. I can't help but think that that, that campaign really puts you in a position of feeling unique and special. Because they keep on saying, you know, they keep on drilling down on everything kind of circulating around your actions and your mindset and like you're the chosen one, if not the cursed one. Uh, I feel like that one has some stain power because of that base.
2: That's a really good point. I I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, it is a more personal kind of, it makes you look inside yourself a, a lot more than the others. That's a really good insight, Nathan. Uh, mine is forgotten age. Still uh, I just love everything about it. Uh, it's very unique and different from every other campaign. I mean, all, all of them have something that makes them unique, but the Forgotten Age just takes you to such a different place, in my opinion. And um, it was kind of the first campaign where they really started going out there in terms of experimentation with the mechanics, really branching out. I I enjoyed it tremendously. It's still by far my favorite campaign. And it kind of influenced a little bit of the of the book that I wrote, the RPG adventure that I wrote. Um, Cause there's a lot of jungle stuff in it and I can't help but think that subconsciously it had a huge impact on why I wrote that story that way. But, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that one.
1: Seeing face. I, I knew this is why we were friends, man, because I also quite enjoy TFA. It 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 feels so distinct from all the other campaigns that, you know when you when you sit down and play TFA, it's such a wholly unique experience amongst the rest of the campaigns, and that for me always sticks out in my mind. And I'm just a big fan of that like Indiana Jones style adventure in Arkham. It the, to me it just really works well thematically. I think too. So TFA is probably always going to be my favorite.
4: Uh, I've had a few minutes while you other folks were talking to think about it and i honestly have a it's such a hard question to answer um you would think it would be easy because it comes up in facebook groups and online and in podcasts all the time you know what's your favorite cycle and for me edge of the earth there are some problems with the back half of edge of the earth no question about it um but this thematically it is awesome like it they do such a good job in like the prologue and kind of setting up, you know, with the reading and everything of, this is your crew. You know, this is why we're here. Uh, it's based on, uh, you know, it's a direct sequel to at the Mountains of Madness. Uh, and it just, I don't know, for me, it it you feel the kind of the desperation of being trapped and isolated. Uh, and that urgency, kind of, you know, we need to get shelter, we need to get supplies, we need to get whatever, um, at, while at the same time kind of having this very slow, kind of creeping feeling that something isn't right. And uh, I still have a, a, a real soft spot for Edge of the Earth.
3: Oh, uh, You know, I hate to go with what other people have said, but uh, Carcosa, because of the reasons I said, is probably still my favorite. But, man, I tell you... I don't know. I think I've told this story before, but it's been a while and I don't think Michael's heard it. Um, I had some friends, a married couple here in town. They've since moved out to Washington, D.C. a couple years ago. But there was one Saturday afternoon. My wife was gone and I wanted to play Arkham. And I was like, hey, uh, can you guys come over for Arkham? We can do um, the, the House Always Wins, you know, the casino adventure from Dunwich. And they were like, sure. And I was like, and I knew they'd be up for this. I said, oh, and dress in period clothing. So they were like, of course. So then they come over and I'd set up the game and I put some poker chips on the table and some brandy. And I dressed up, you know, with like a vest and some speckle uh, spectacles. Eh, I can't say it. Old Old timey glasses and a pocket watch. And I put La Bella Luna outside my apartment door and when they knocked, I I opened it a crack and asked them for the password, you know, like a speakeasy. The only thing I didn't do is I didn't make uh, some like official spaghetti from that would be on the front house. But uh, they came in and we kind of role played a bit. And the guy even was playing um, Finn and uh, Finn? No, not Finn, Skids. And he had a switchblade with him. And oddly enough in his deck, there was also a switchblade. So. It was uh, it was a very thematic, very fun experience. I could not help think, knowing what I know now, Michael, that listening to one of your official compositions while we were playing for that scenario would have been like the chef's kiss uh, experience. Oh, that's very kind of you to say,
1: Michael. You had mentioned that you were um, you have a bit of a background in in music. Um, were you were you. Like trained? Did you go to school at all, or, or is it something that you kind of just picked up through the throughout the years? Uh,
4: no, no, not really. Um, I took music classes in high school, uh, where I had a notoriously terrible music teacher, um, and I took like you know some of the more advanced classes as well, because I was, I did have a genuine interest in maybe becoming a musician professionally. And my, uh, my teacher, uh, in high school was uninterested in actually teaching and made it super unfun and made it super kind of uninspiring, which you would think with an arts teacher that, uh, like in TV and movies, they're always kind of shown as being like the super, you know, really overly involved with their students kind of people. Uh, and my music teacher was kind of the exact opposite. She had like disdain for, for her students. Uh, and so she really kind of turned me off of trying to pursue, you know, it, it in any sort of, you know, really complex way or, you know, trying to decide to, to do it on a college level or anything like that. So... Uh, I have to say anything creative about me is in spite of my education, not because of.
2: You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, I play a little music myself and I, I did have some schooling in music. And I found in artists that I like to listen to, you can almost kind of tell people who have been classically trained or trained in a school environment, like the ones who went to Berkeley and all that, right? And and then the ones who just play with self-taught freedom and feeling and sometimes the people that are self-taught don't know places that they're not supposed to go they don't know you know that the tritone shouldn't be harmonized and so you get songs with tritones in them you know and but a classically trained individual would only use that for a specific effect and it would be very deliberate right But someone who doesn't, I mean, they they may come up with something really interesting. They may play their guitar upside down, like Jimi Hendrix did. And, you know, not even some people may not realize that's what they're doing or, you know, their their phrasing may be different than, than one would expect. It's just sometimes I think with art specifically, school, like being in a classroom and being in school sometimes can limit you or create boundaries that artificial boundaries that now you won't move past that you may have moved past if you never took education
4: in my role as an editor uh, video editor that's a a thing like every time I learn a new thing I'm like happy to have learned it but at the same time I'm like oh no now I know the right way to do it and I'm going to be less apt to kind of uh, find a more creative way to do a thing Uh, And it kind of shuts off, you know, a little piece of that because I'm like, no, the rule is I'm supposed to do this, you know, and that's, that's definitely true. Yeah.
3: Uh, I don't have trivia for today. I wanted to just focus on Michael.
4: Oh, thanks. I'm so happy to hear that. I, I, every time I bomb out on every question every time i'm listening to you guys i bomb out on every single trivia question so i was really
3: oh that's okay i think everybody here does too and they all uh dislike it uh strongly i, I get death threats not from the community from mostly from man from lang um and it, he doesn't put his name down but it says red deer canada so <laughs> i'm just like what are the chances
1: yes man, man from lang's one major oversight he puts the return address on the death threat <laughs>
3: And it's stamped by a moose hoof, a a moose hoof. I can't say it right. I'm not, I'm not accustomed to saying these things.
0: That's okay. I know where you
1: live. (laughs) I will send you to Jesus. So before we, we wrap up with our guest today, uh, Michael, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience uh, before we, before we close out the show today?
4: I, uh, I'm, just, I'm very grateful to everyone who has uh, given me such uh, encouragement and positive feedback and all that. Um, bear with me, I'm in kind of the busiest professional period of my life, so my soundtracks have slowed down a little bit, um, but the output is going to start... Um, increasing uh, come late fall early winter I'll start uh, churning these things out again Uh, Carcosa is the next cycle that was I did a little poll on reddit and uh, the major vast majority of the people uh, were like Carcosa Carcosa so that's that's what's coming up next if uh, anyone does have any other like creative projects that they're looking for uh, music or sound design or things like that yeah, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to entertain some ideas. I'm always interested in doing things like uh, audio dramas, things like that, anything that where I can kind of use my music to enhance uh, a story. I'm all about that kind of thing. So You can uh, reach out to me on Facebook at The Arkham Horrors, uh, or you should also be able to find me, hopefully, at www.thearkhamhorrors.com.
1: Links to all of Michael's socials will be provided in the show notes of this episode. A big thank you to Michael for coming on to the show. It was a pleasure having him on. And a big thank you to our patrons who make episodes like this possible. If you enjoy our content and you want to support the show, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thegreatoldonesgaming. We'd very much appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm Nate, and with me today was
0: I am the man from Lang, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel.
2: And I'm innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn.
3: Hey, and it's me, Nathan Jester, the best judger of all things, Strudel, who also with us has been. Michael with the Arkham Horrors. Thanks everyone, I really appreciate it.